All right. Well, we're back. Jeff, how are you? Doing good, man. How about you? You know what? It's a better day because I'm here. It's rainy. It it's is. very dark. Yeah. Dreary. For those who are photographers, overcasts are somewhat nice for soft light, but not good for rain. You know, damage. I'm damage sitting in my office. I see the dreary clouds, and I have the nice ambient fluorescent lighting. <laughs> so my emotions. Here you go. I'm referencing emotions again. There you go. I'm an emotional creature. You are a cauldron of emotions. Mm. Oh my! How many uh, comments did you get about that? Uh, zero. Zero. I think everyone's. I think everyone's terrified now. <laughs> so that's a throwback to to our first <laughs> year show. Um, it, awesome. I I thought that was phenomenal the way you opened it up and I, and you heard like the four or five second awkward pause. Me and my wife yeah. listened to that last night at the kitchen table. <laughs> and I was like, babe, you got to listen to this. It's, it, just listen to the first 45 seconds because she's super busy doing something. And I'm like, just listen to 45 seconds of nothing else. And we listen to it and, and there's like this four or five second awkward pause. And I'm like, are you being serious? And you're like, you totally go into this joke. Perfect way to open the first of your show, too. I love that. Uh, it, was, it was great comedic timing. Yeah. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't have asked for anything better. Well, you know, we said this sort of in the pre-chat, pre-recording that no one gets to hear, but... um. I think I know that that uh, people tend to think pastors are sort of this unique individual that's invincible or just not not like anyone else. And I think it's just fun to to see you be and to reveal how normal and human you are with your humor. You always have these unique quotes and unique <laughs> things, both in from the pulpit or person to person, that you get to pull out. I don't know where you come where you where you get them from, like these good references. Like I don't a know either. Bottle rocket about to pop off and be sold on the black market. I mean, who says that? Um, really twisted individuals. <laughs> I guess twisted individuals. Well, speaking of twisted individuals, um, oh, we're gonna talk about you now. Great. No, 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 not me, not me. Oh, oh. but I guess me technically. Um, First Corinthians, uh, the yeah, the, those in Corinth. yeah, we started the series. Yep. So, yeah, this church is uh, they're they've got some issues. A lot of them. It was funny. We were had a elder meeting this past week, and we were talking about you know all the all the churches in the New Testament, all the letters that we have to these churches. And I, I made the the crack in my sermon on Sunday about how you know a lot of people they'll say things like, "Man, we just we just got to get back to being like the early church," you know. And I said, "Well, this is one of them. Like this is <laughs> this is Corinth is one." And if you start thinking about all the letters, so. Romans, the church at Rome, we don't know a lot about them from the book of Romans because Paul is writing them kind of a, a theological letter. He's teaching them a lot of doctrine. So there's not a lot of personal things that he, that he touches on. And so we go to the, the Corinthian letters and we're going to see, I mean, they have, they have lots and lots of issues from, from incest to suing one another to uh, people are getting drunk and they're abusing the Lord's Supper. Um, so, you, I mean, they, they, they got some big, big issues. They're denying Paul's authority. Um, they're listening to these quote unquote, like super apostles, um, these false teachers. And so you go from Corinthians to Galatians, the church at Galatia is beginning to deny, uh, the grace of God and they're getting into legalism. And so Corinth, you have a church that's going into kind of a, a behavioral immorality, a liberalism and behavior. Then you have the church at Galatia who is now going into total 
theological legalism. And then you go from Galatians to Ephesians, and the church at Ephesus seems to be doing okay. He doesn't say anything super negative about them. But then you go to the book of Revelation, and he's getting Jesus sends them a letter and says, you've denied the love you had at first. You've forgotten me. And so now you have a church that's really become kind of like a frozen chosen, just kind of they have no passion for Christ. And then you go to Philippi. He talks about joy and stuff, but at the end, in chapter 4, he writes, he says, Will you tell Iodia and Syntyche to get over their argument and come together? And we, I, I think there's a, a lot of reasons to say that that the, the occasion for the Philippian letter, while he's teaching other things and encouraging them, was probably because of this big conflict between these two women in the church. And then you go to that, to Colossae, at the book of Colossians. And they're starting to dabble into Gnosticism. That's kind of starting to infiltrate the church that maybe Jesus um, isn't really God, isn't really divine. Maybe he didn't really have a body. Maybe he's not fully God. And that's why you hear in Colossians 1 that, no, in him, the fullness of deity dwells in, in bodily form. And so then you go from Colossians to you think of the Thessalonian letters, First and Second Thessalonians. That's probably the church. If I had to pick a church in the New Testament that I was going to be a part of, it would be them. Because their biggest problem that they're having is they're having trouble understanding the end times. That's not a bad problem to have. That's not a bad problem to have in the life of a local church. No. They thought Jesus, maybe his second coming, had already that he had already come, and so they're not sure. And Paul writes to them. He, he's telling them, even the beginning of the letters, he's, I'm so encouraged how you're walking with the Lord. And he says, I know you're, you're always obeying. And he says, and he, do so even more. Even, do even more of what you're already doing. So, I mean, he loved the church of Thessalonica. It is great. Um, then you go from Thessalonians, and then you get the pastoral epistles, Timothy and Titus, um, and they, they have all of their issues as well. And Peter, the churches he writes to, they're going under severe persecution. Um, so if I had to pick a place to be, I want to be at Thessalonica. Mm. And I don't, I don't remember what you asked me that made me go on that long well, we're, we're talking about the um, the type of people that were in, Cor- ah, in Corinth, and you, yeah. you sort of what made you go in that uh, that direction. You went. I won't call it a rant because it was definitely good. <laughs> um, some might, if you're listening, you're calling it, was it a rant. rant. I, 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 I know it's a good rant. Um, you said you were talking to elders or some of the elders in an elder meeting, and, and it was mentioned yeah. we should be more like the early church. And you talked about Corinth and Thessalonica gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. and yeah, yeah, yeah. the various churches, Galatia. Um, yeah, so not good people at Corinth, though. No, yeah, and they're they're very. I love. There's a line in Second Corinthians, and so I tried to explain this on Sunday. Let, uh, let me see if I can explain it a little bit better. We know of at least four letters that Paul sent to the church at Corinth, and First and Second Corinthians are are the in between letters. There's letter one that he sent. We don't have letter two that he sends is first Corinthians. We don't have, or not part of the Bible. We don't have, and they're not part of the Bible. So yeah, both, um, like they're not in history, but we can tell from internal in the letters that he's talking about other letters. Um, and then there's a third letter that he sends. We don't have that one. The fourth letter is second Corinthians. And so it'd be cool to have them, but obviously the Lord didn't want us to have them. Um, and they're not inspired for us. They weren't meant for us. And so first and second Corinthians are the inspired Corinthian letters for us that benefit the church in Tomball, that benefit the church in Uganda, um, that are meant for us, 
for all, for all time. So what I love in second Corinthians 11, you know, last episode we talked about getting focus for 2015. That's a theme in second Corinthians In second Corinthians 11, three Paul writes, and I love this. He says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that really is not only not just the Corinthians issue. That is a struggle that all of us must, must realize that we're waging against every day to have a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That that's what we have to get after and realize that our enemy as he attacked Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, that his strategy for us has not changed. He is still trying to lead us astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The led astray, that, that, that phrase there reminds me part of what you said in your sermon um, this past Sunday, talking about the super apostles um, and being yeah. distracted, being attracted by the Corinthians, being attracted by or distracted by these super apostles, they were sort of saying, "We're not going to listen to Paul. Paul is yeah. not this, you know, super apostle." In quotes, mm-hmm. uh, these other super apostles were sort of attract, attracting, leading astray, and distracting this Corinthians. Yeah. Sorry, I was drinking my Coke Zero. Um, Coke Zero. Make a, Coke make Zero. A, they, they are not a sponsor, by the way. They are not a sponsor yet. Yet. We're, gonna, we're talking to, to the Coke yet. company. Yep. Um, yeah. They, so I think what's happening there is there are these other teachers that have rolled in to Corinth, and they have a lot of flair to them. They, they have some fireworks, and they have some pyrotechnics and some impressiveness about them. And that's why Paul says, we'll see in the next couple sermons, he says, I'm not coming to you. In words of eloquent, eloquent wisdom, I'm not coming to you with impressiveness. I'm just coming to preach Christ and Him crucified to you. And so the Corinthians are being impressed and they're being led astray. And, and these super apostles, Paul's being, I think, a little sarcastic, and he's he's kind of making fun of them and making fun of the Corinthians to just show them, kind of, like, hey, hey, do you see like these guys are the super apostles? I mean, they're not. It's like, am I not an apostle? Am I not the one who has seen Jesus? And that Jesus called me out. Um, and what's happening is the same thing that happened in the garden. These these fake false teachers, they are trying to get the Corinthians to not listen to God's authority, which is Paul speaking to them because he's the messenger of Christ. He is the apostle of the Lord Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1.1. And he says, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. He says, so I'm, I'm God's messenger to you. And so they want a different authority. They want to listen to something else. They don't want to listen to God's messenger. And th- that's exactly what happens in the Garden of Eden. Satan tempts Eve to, you don't have to listen to God. Did God really say that? L- let's, let's just consider another authority for a second. And that's exactly what's happening in our day. And that's what happens in our lives. We want to listen to something else. We, we find our own super apostles. And a lot of times it may just be us. We just listen to what we what we think. Yeah, I have that happen in my life. Um, not so much. I mean, I mean, I think we we definitely all sin, but I'm just, I'm not sure how far it goes because I haven't like self examined this deeply. But I know there's certain things that I guess to a degree not so much make me question, but distract me. And the biggest one 
and I'm just being honest here, is space, yeah. is, is the universe and science. I think okay. a lot of people get distracted by or attracted by science because it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's sort of absolute to a sense you know it's physics quantum mechanics all these different things and these discoveries they're making about black holes and the universe and movies like interstellar that come out that sort of make you think like you know how could god fit into this that that kind of world where there's this mm-hmm. massive massive beyond believable massive universe and what i love a lot about the way you preach jeff is that is that there are several times in, I think, November and December that I can recall where you brought in the fact of the massiveness of space or the magnificence magnificence of science and how that yeah. relates back to God and how God created that. So yeah. I'm always encouraged by those words from you because a distraction for me is how unbelievably cool science and the universe mm-hmm. and space is yeah. and rant. Yeah, I, I think I think we could all succumb to something like that, where, in the same way that Eve was led astray, in the same way the Corinthians are being led astray, that we have our own ways of being tempted and thinking about something, and it's usually I think every problem we have um, in the Christian life is usually some kind of theological problem. So I take take that example for instance, for instance, not uncommon to look at the the massiveness of our universe and people ask, man, how does God fit into all this? And I think we're asking the wrong question. I think it's the other perspective. We look at the massiveness of the universe and we go, how does this fit with God? Not, not with how does God fit in this, but how does this fit inside of God? Like how, how does this jive with God? How did God do all of this? where he is the one who reigns and rules and he is supreme over all of these things and that he created all of these things ex nihilo, which is a Latin phrase for out of nothing that he spoke all of these things out of nothing and that ev- Neptune and nebula galaxies and that all of these things, he just says be and they're there and they exist because of his will and his power. So, Usually, when I have a low view of God in some area, and uh, I'm, I'm not thinking about something rightly, or I get anxious about something, it's immediately traceable to you know what I'm, I'm having a very I'm having a small thought of God in the moment. Like a buddy, I remember a, a buddy of mine who lives in Nashville now. Back when he was here, we were out to eat, and his car had got really messed up all of a sudden, like a belt snapped and it's going to be really expensive. And, and he was like freaking out. And I just looked at him and said, Hey, um, you know, you know how in Hebrews one, when it says that Jesus upholds the universe together by the word of his power, it's like, yeah. I said, do you think that little belt in your car is outside of his control? Like, do you think that belt breaking in your car, like escaped his power and that God's sitting up in the heavenly places and going, oh, rats, I totally dropped the ball on that. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. You know, sorry about that. Let me, you, you know, I mean, that's, yes. but that's how we get when we get overly anxious and we get worried and we fret and we, 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 it's connected to, we have a low view of God. And then in turn, potentially from the Corinthians perspective, a low view of a messenger of God. Yeah. 
then, then, so I, then I would immediately correlate that with a low view of God's word. Because all of what we can truly know about God, like, because we could look at creation and we could misunderstand something about God. We could look at the Bible and misunderstand something about God. Yeah. But we know that his word is never changing. So we look and look at God's word and go, what does God want me to know about God? He spells it out for me. And so the way Eve was distracted from God's word, the way the Corinthians are being distracted away from God's word being taught for them by the apostle Paul. And so we too, now as we sit with Bibles in our hands and on our phones and in our laps and on Sunday mornings, it's, we are in danger of being distracted away from God's word. Well, in the, in the last show, we, um, you'd mentioned about the biggest issue that pastors, elders deal with in church discipline, just in, in general, the problems that uh, we deal with within the church body tend to stem from marital issues. You mentioned we're cozy. What about distraction in marriage? Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I was really blown away when I considered that myself, that a lot of the major counseling, church discipline, those kinds of issues that, and I, our church is not uncommon, even speaking with other pastors, they go, oh yeah, I mean, that, that is the bulk of what um, the heavy, heavy things that we deal with revolves around marriage. And think about the Bible, the first two chapters of the Bible, first three. So Genesis 1 is God creating everything, the the massive wonder and amazement of God creating this entire universe. I mean, this grand cosmic sweep of creation, chapter 1. Chapter 2, the very next thing that God wants to show us that he made is marriage. That's huge. That God goes from this massive display of creation. Now he's zoom lens right down to one man and one woman. That, that, that shows us how important marriage is to yeah. God. And then the next chapter, chapter three is man and woman in marriage being tempted by the serpent by our enemy. And nothing has changed to today. The serpent is still attacking us. He is attacking our marriages. He's, he's coming after us. Um, and so today we must, unlike Eve, we must stand guard against the serpent. And we, and we, we can only do this because of Christ. Like without Jesus, we will lose. We will continue to fall into the 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 cunning schemes of that ancient serpent. But with Christ, who withstood him in his temptations, he is now empowering us for because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yes. So now in our marriages, when you have a husband and a wife that are both filled with the Spirit of Christ and that are both putting on the armor of God that are waging that spiritual warfare, now we're standing against against the serpent together in the power of the risen Christ. And so we don't have to fall into his schemes. We don't have to fall into his cunning. And so when it comes to marriage, we will find strength and I think supernatural power when we are relying on Christ 
And one of the immediate ways that we prove that we're relying on Christ is that there is a immediacy and an urgency to want to walk with him in his word. That's why Paul in Ephesians 6 says that the Bible is the sword of the spirit. And that's how we fight. That's how we attack with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Unchanging word of truth. Yeah. I always find it so amazing to think about um, just the fact that, and, and you said it in the sermon too, where we've, um, we've been reading this Bible for the better part of 2,000 years, yeah. uh, this book, um, singing not only about but to the risen King Jesus. Yeah. That this, is, this is a book that, you know, aside from translating from the original manuscripts to a native language, hasn't, yeah. the, you know, not, I was going to say theoretically, but definitely has not changed. But other than that transition... Only for understanding has mm-hmm. it ever changed, and we 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 believe in and serve a God that is and always has been the exact same. I, I find it amazing that I'm almost thirty six, thirty five right now, and when I'm eighty five, it's going to be the same book. It's going to yeah. be the same focus on the cross, the same focus yeah. on Jesus. Nothing is going to change except for my impure heart becoming more and more pure as my journey is to follow yeah, him more and more like him. Yeah. How awesome is that? To be refined, you know, <laughs> as it says in Revelation, to be refined, uh, you know, you probably know the Bible a lot better than I do, but I can never really recall the words. I try memorization as best I can, but to be refined in the, in the somebody out there has helped me, but I recall that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, we are going I do to my be. Best. We're being made spotless. Yes. Um, in Ephesians 5, when he says that he will present the church to himself and he will wash her in the water of the word without any spot or wrinkle. And that we're going to stand before King Jesus, like like we saw in 1 Corinthians 1, guiltless. Like we're pronounced guiltless right now. Like you and I both sit here. God looks down upon us and he says, I see two of my guiltless sons. But we don't feel that. And we certainly don't always live that. Yes. But the day is coming where what we've been called will be totally realized. Like it will be, it will finally be fully fulfilled. Like it's kind of halfway fulfilled for us. Yeah. In, but then, full. On the topic of distraction and marriage and, and that, a, a personal note for me, I can say that I feel the most fortified and and shielded and powerful whenever i am rooted in in unison with my wife my wife heather um with jesus in between us with jesus as our rock in between us that we yeah. are, you know that's what i and when i don't feel the strength of and unity of the marriage that god has blessed me with is uh-huh. when we are not seeing eye to eye not so much when we're arguing but just when we're not in the same place we're not praying together when we're not uh, worshiping together, we're, we're not singing together, we're not, just not doing life together, we're out of sync, and we're not yeah. both meeting Jesus in the middle, mm-hmm. that's when I feel the most uh, out of place. And how does that reflect back on you with some of the things you mentioned about distraction and marriage? In Ephesians 4, Paul talks about, uh, I think a lot of people know this verse, but he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Yes. Be angry and, and do not sin. 
the next so that's not just a marriage thing. I mean, that's like a everybody thing. That's that is a Christian relationship reality for all of us. Um, that we must do the daily battle against our sin and resolving conflicts with people. And the very next thing, he says, and do not give opportunity to the devil. So I think when, when couples have unresolved conflict with each other. Opening a door. They, they are inviting demonic activity into their marriage. I mean, that's exactly what the Bible says. And so, because when you aren't, when you aren't pursuing unity with one another in peace, and you're not forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you, and you're not serving one another as Christ has served you, and you're not loving one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, then it's not going to be long until there comes the serpent, like just slithering his way. And then you've got trouble. And I think couples... One issue that really can hurt marriages is that when our identity, when our approval, when we want someone's approval, if that's not rooted in Christ, that, you know, I can, I, I don't have to worry and, and fight and claw to impress because I am, my life is found in Christ. I know I am very non-impressive. The more that we realize that we are non-impressive people, we won't fight with each other. Like you can see couples so many times that, you know, maybe one makes a little joke about somebody or, you know, uh, oh, I, I parked the car wrong. And um, the wife makes a little crack about, oh, nice parking, babe. You know, just kidding. And why do you always have to say that? Yes. And, you know, I'm just trying to <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah, that that's that's sin. That's identity problems and that my approval and my, my value is not – I am a bad parker. So <laughs> I, I use that as an example of, of for humor that yes. I, I don't get upset when I'm like, oh, man, I, that was not a good parking job. Um, and now and I will just laugh about it. But early on, that would have been something that I would be upset about. Oh, you're cutting me down as a man and blah, blah, blah. That's just idiocy. She's not cutting me down as a man. She's revealing that my identity is not firmly in Christ. The thing, though, with that is um, is something that you said last week too. With our with our our following Jesus and and worshiping Jesus is that it doesn't happen instantaneously. So I think the hope for those married couples who may be listening to you say that and say, "Well, that's me. I did that yesterday," yeah. or where yeah. you know, we'll do that tonight when we go out to dinner or whatever. Oh, I'm you know I'm you know I'm a jerk or I've got too much pride or whatever. Is that is that no? The the road is long and it's not instant gratification. It's not going to be happening today, but it's yeah. a constant. I think that's it serves as a reminder for those of us who have those moments and fall into that sin to be reminded that that's not our identity and that you may do it again tomorrow and then yeah. again next week. But over the years, like you said, early in your relationship. With Natalie, that wasn't that that was happening. But yeah. now, as your how old's your marriage? Uh, it'll be eight years in March. So there you go. I mean, it's not like you did it yesterday. It was you know, boom, you're no, married yeah. one day, yeah. and still have to fight against it. Right. You know, um, the, I love what Eugene Peterson he talks about the Christian life. He said it's it's a long obedience in the same direction. That it's it's just that constant journey. And so yeah, so say tonight, husband and wife go out, and uh, uh, he you know he pops off and. 
um, about something ridiculous or, or the wife gets upset that, you know, he didn't say bless you fast enough or, you, you know, whatever, it got all these little silly, petty things we get upset about. Um, that, so when it happens, so what do you do? You confess it as sin to the Lord. And like, we have to remember that confession of sin is not just making our sins aware to God as though he didn't know. Like, I, I think a lot of times Christians say, Oh God, you know, I sinned. Um, just, you know, so sorry. I know that, that that's not confession. That's making God aware of sin, which is ridiculous. He already knows. Confession is saying, Lord, I have sinned against you and I'm acknowledging it to, to you and to me. Like I'm acknowledging in my soul that what I did there was against you and against your word. And I am, I am receiving and I am grateful that the blood of Jesus has covered me of that. Now will you empower me to walk in holiness? And you move on and you walk in future grace that is to come. And that's the Ephesians 4. So you don't let the sun go down on that. You fight off the devil. Redemption, being worthy of that redemption. Yep. Yeah, he's given it to us. So let's walk in it. Well, let's, um, let's close the show. I think we're nine minutes past what we expected to be at right now anyway. Yes. So for those listening... Uh, it was that rant. It was it was that that church rant I went on. That's probably my rant. I should I speak too much. I should just let you talk. The whole <laughs> no, time. man, you should speak more. Um, I, I'd like to do something a little different. We've got um, several families out there that we need to pray for. Um, Jeff, you'll close us and ask yeah. him for this prayer. So I'll go ahead and take it, and we'll win there. Yeah, two. Um, if you're at Redeemer, if you're part of Redeemer Church, and you're listening to this, you know there's been two things that uh, we want to talk about. The first one is. I love in 1 Corinthians 1 where it says that we're called to be saints together with those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And so any Christian, someone who calls upon the name of the Lord, we're together. We're, we're a family. We're a body in Christ. And so you know that we have been, you've seen updates about the Swadley family um, and that her kind of the, I, I guess I would just, it wasn't a sickness, but kind of the trauma that she went through in a, in a recent pregnancy and they lost their, their baby and, and she was, uh, her health was declining and there was brain swelling. Um, she has, uh, gone home to be with the Lord. She passed, uh, I think it was last week and had the funeral this week and they've, they've buried her. Um, and so we want to pray for the Swadley family, um, and that the Lord would be their, their comfort and their, their peace. And for Michael, a Swadley now, as Charles C has gone to be with, with Christ. And I love, and I think it's in Romans 14. He says that all who live, we live to the Lord and that all who die, we die to the Lord. So that whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. And that Paul, and this Paul writes that Christ came and he lived and he died so that he might be both the Lord of the living and the dead. And so when a Christian dies, there is no was. Like, she is, even right now in this moment. She's seeing Jesus and all of his glory and how incredible it must be to see the her Lord and Savior that she loves so much. And so we want to pray uh, for their family and and just ask that the Lord would continue to bear them up and to strengthen them and encourage him uh, for 
the days and weeks and months and years and years ahead. And then at, secondly, uh, the, the Benford family, they uh, are moving to Austin. Trey and, and Ashley, Trey is a deacon at Redeemer, and, and they, he has a new job, a new job offer in, in Austin, and he's accepted it. It's a great job. And so they're actually moving in about three weeks. It was two. It was going to be two. And he asked for an extra week. And so they, they granted it to him. And so if you know Trey and Ashley, uh, you know, reach out to them, encourage them, love them. Uh, see them on Sundays. You know, uh, let them know that they'll be missed. I know I'll, I'll miss them so much. Trey and I played a good number of basketball games together. So he won't be able to see my, my awesome three-point shot anymore. Um, but we're going to miss him. Great, great family at Redeemer been here for a while and it's always sad to see to see people you know move away um but i'm glad for them and his new job and what the lord is is going to do for them in austin so pray for them that they'd find another great church to be a part of another church that's committed to uh, making christ famous and i i know that's what they're looking for too so as as we end out today's show i encourage you to pray for those two things and i, I look forward to seeing you uh, on sunday let's pray